Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Malachi, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The Doctrine of Election. God chose Jacob before he elected Jacob to receive the blessing before Jacob could do anything good or evil. Well, that teaches us right off the bat that Jacob didn't deserve the blessings. God elected him to have them. The doctrine of election. Now, there are a lot of people who have a problem with this verse. They have a problem with Jacob I have loved, Esau have I hated. And they say, you know, I got a problem with the Lord hating Esau. Well, well, I have a problem, too, personally. I have a problem, too, because my problem isn't the Lord hating Esau. My problem is the Lord loving Jacob. If you know the story, you know what that means. God said, I love Jacob. Don't you know the Bible said Jacob was the, the, the heel catcher or, or the heel, heel snatcher, something like that. He was a heel snatcher. The Bible says Jacob was a conniver. Jacob was a little con man. See, that's why I got a problem with God love Jacob. That's where my problem is. Jacob was a con man. And you know the story. He wrestled with the angel and his name was changed from Yaakov, Jacob, to Israel, which means what? Governed by God. You see, but the truth is, every single one of us deserves to be rejected. So why I have a problem with God loved Jacob is that we all deserve to be rejected. In some way, we are all little con men. I didn't think I'd get too many amens there. Uh, But we are, in some way, we're all not good. And so my problem is God elected anyone. I mean, when you think about it, God elected Jacob. You know, someone once wrote this, talking about the doctrine of election. Someone once said this, the doctrine of election is so deep and rich that if you try and explain it, you may lose your mind. But if you try to explain it away, you'll lose your heart. And that's very, very true. The truth be told is I marvel that that I'm elected. I marvel that, that I'm chosen. D.L. Moody said that I'm sure glad God chose me before I was born because I don't think he would have chose me after I'd done some living. (laughs) That's true. It's all grace. Amen. It it really is all grace. You know, I heard this story of a young black kid in Memphis. And I've told you a story before of a young black kid in Memphis, Tennessee, who wanted to join a conservative fundamental church. And the elders asked him, well, how did you get saved? He answered, I did my part and God did his part. Well, the elders thought they had him. And so they asked him, what was your part and what was his part? 
Well, the boy replied, well, my part was sinning. I ran from God as fast as these little rebellious legs would take me, and my sinful heart would lead me. I ran from him. But you know, he done took out after me till he done run me down. I love that. Election. This, this, this boy, this little black kid in Tennessee, he understood a very, very deep theological doctrine of Scripture. Grace. Election. Choosing. And people want to argue about whether, you know, God chooses some and God, you know, people get, uh, here's a couple of things. People get upset and angry about God choosing. I don't have a problem with God choosing. And I don't know why people get upset with God choosing because it's an interesting thing is that we get to choose. Look, what if somebody chose your wife? You may not like that. You get to choose your wife. You get the, 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 the privilege of choice, but God doesn't. People want to argue choosing and election, and, and I say God is God, and God can choose whomever he wants. And because God knows the end from the beginning, God chooses based on his foreknowledge. God chooses based on his foreknowledge. Well, then how do I know if I'm chosen? How do I know if I'm elected to be saved or not? Well, then I say to them, would you like to be saved? No. Well, then you're not elected. It's not that difficult, people. It really isn't. Well, would you like to be saved? Yeah. Okay, well, let's pray right now. Good. All right, great. You've been elected. Amen. Was it that simple? I think so. I mean, people want to spend a whole lot of time arguing about it. The fact is, the Bible says, whosoever will, let them come. So if you want to be saved, you're elected. If you don't want to be saved, then you prove you're not elected. And don't get mad at God about that. So God said, I hated Esau, who is also called Edom, as the text we just read. And God is going to lay waste, destroy his mountains and his heritage. In other words, they will not survive as a nation. Now look at verse 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, then where's my reverence, says the Lord of hosts, to you priests who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? See how religious folks are. God says, you know, you despise my name. I'm a father. You don't honor me. And I'm going to be a master. Honest his servant. You don't honor me. Oh, really? Well, in what way have we despised your name? Well, God says, hey, in verse 7, I'll tell you. You offer defiled food on my altar, but you say... In what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? But now entreat God's favor. In other words, repent that he may be gracious to us. While this is being done by your hands, Will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? Now stop right there. God says a son honors his father and a servant honors the master, but you don't show me the respect of a father or a master. You see, God's heart is broken here. God's heart is broken. Let me share something with you. You know, when a believer sins, he breaks God's law. Or a non-believer, pardon me, sins, 
he breaks God's law. But when a believer sins, he breaks God's law and he breaks God's heart when a believer sins. So God says, listen, you guys are blessed. You're back in the temple. You're back in the land. And now you're apathetical and lazy. God says, even an earthly father receives honor from his son and a servant gives honor to his master. Where is my honor? Where is my reverence from the priest? And instead of repenting, they say, in what way have we despised your name? And in verse seven through the rest of the chapter, as I mentioned, God tells them exactly how. God says they were defiling the temple of the Lord. You see, the people were bringing their sacrifices to the temple. They were bringing the sacrifices of bulls. And they were bringing the sacrifices of lambs and of rams. The only problem is the sacrifice that they were bringing to God was roadkill. These sacrifices that they were bringing to God, the bulls, the lambs, and the rams, they were limping and lame and blind and stolen and blemished. They were offering God the leftovers. You know, they would say, you know, well, you know, old Betsy's dying. Let's take her down to the temple and offer her to the Lord. You see, this was their mentality. And God says, look, your governor wouldn't even accept that offering. In other words, it's contemptible to give God second best. It is contemptible to give God the leftovers. And unfortunately, folks do that at church. Unfortunately. I mean, I've seen it happen in my 10 years of ministry here at Calvary Chapel. I've seen it happen. People buying a new car because this one is broke down. And they say, you know, well, what will we do with the broke down piece of junk? I know. Let's give it to the church. This is what people do. Well, they're buying a new couch because the cat tore up the old one and urinated all over the old one. Ooh, gross. They go, well, what will we do with this old beat up, torn up couch? Well, I know. Let's give it to the church. People clean out their garage. I get you not. People clean out their garage. What will we do with the junk that we don't want? I know. Let's give it to the church. It's like, wait a minute now. Listen, can, can I share something with you? Promise to tell everybody. All right. Listen. God, I, I, you know what? I, I try to figure out how to best say this, and there's just no other way to say it, okay? There's no other way. God does not want your junk. Amen. Now, I labored all day over that one. God does not want your junk. God wants your best. Amen, saints? You know, we'll get to chapter 3 in just a couple of months, and... Uh, <laughs> But in chapter 3, you know, God wants your best. He wants your life. And when we get to chapter 3, we're going to be talking about tithing. And and, and we want to talk about, we want to know that, that God does want our best. He wants your life, first of all. God wants your heart. God is more interested, I'm going to say this now and say it again when we get to chapter 3, God is more interested in your life than he is in your wallet. And the principles haven't changed. The offerings that God wanted then is the same that he wants today. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice, and to listen is better than the fatted ram. God wants your heart. 
And what happens is if God can have your heart, then certainly God can have your wallet. But sometimes, more often than not, people try to give God their wallet and try to hold on to their life. They try to hold on, they try to give God. Some people, it's very easy for them to write 50 bucks, 100 bucks to God, or to write whatever check that they want. A lot of people do that in church, by the way, guys. A lot of people do that in church. They can write God whatever check they want to write and drop it in the box, and it's not a problem. But they hold on to their life. They hold on to their heart. In other words, God, you can have my money, but you can't have my heart. God says, you keep your money if I can't have your heart. Now, I realize that this is not a message that is very, very popular in the church today. Because more often people are after your wallet than they are your heart. But I want you to know that God is more interested in your heart. And if God can have your heart, see, God is smart. God got this all figured out, see. God says, listen, if I can get a hold of your heart, get in your wallet, ain't nothing. You'll be giving God your house. You'll be like, oh, God, just take everything. Just take it all. God, take it all. It's all yours. But see, when, you, when God only has your wallet, you'll be like, well, all right, God, a grand. That's it. You know what I mean? That's all. You know, if church is really good and if, if pastor's saying things I like, I might, I might throw it an extra 10. Which I don't know why we think 10 bucks in church is a lot of money. God says no. You hold on to your money if God does not have your heart. You keep your money. And I'd say that to you too as a pastor. I honestly would say that as a pastor. And I know that this could be the demise of this church. But, <laughs> but I would say that. I would have to say that because God would have me to say that. that, that amen. Thank you. Y'all pray for me. And, uh, but, but you hold on to your money. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean this. I mean this. I really mean this. <laughs> Am I turning red? Am I turning red? Okay. All right. No, because I, I, I need to say this because it's true. And, uh, and y'all know black people get red, then, did you? Did you? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I mean this really. You gotta, you gotta, you know. Let's just move on to verse 10. How's that? <laughs> but y'all know what I mean. Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Y'all all right? Y'all all right? All right. Look at verse 10. Who then is... I can't read now. Look at, <laughs> who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle the fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. For from the rising of the sun, underline verse 11. I love verse 11. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. From the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place incense shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. God says, not only are you offering bad offerings, but, and your heart's not in it, man, these guys wouldn't even open and close the doors of the temple unless they got paid for it. That's what verse 10 is about. So that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain or for nothing. These guys are like union workers. You know, we won't even do anything unless we get paid for it. 
They wouldn't serve unless there was something in it for them. And God says, I won't accept that kind of offering. Your offerings are worthless worship is what God is saying. Did you know that not everything that is offered to God as worship is accepted by God as worship? See, we think it's all good in the church today. We think it's all good. It's all good. Oh, it's all kind of worship. We got every kind of worship. It's all worship. It's all worship. Everything is worship. It's all worship. As long as it's done in the church, it's worship. No, not everything is worship. God doesn't accept everything as worship. Some worship to God is worthless worship. And God is saying, look, I'd rather you shut the doors, lock the church up, than to offer to me worthless worship. God says, I have no pleasure in you. Your offering is profane. It's profane. And then in verse 11, God is saying, because you've rejected me, I'm going toward the Gentiles. And God says, from the rising of the sun to the going down the same, my name shall be praised. I love that. You know, I was thinking about this. Give me your attention. There are believers all around the world. One thing I love traveling internationally, because it's good to see that there are believers all around the world, that there are people who love and worship God all around the world, all around the globe. And, and, so, and there are believers who, 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 around the world who, who love the Lord and they praise his name. And, and while we, here's a different take on this verse. And while we are sleeping, somewhere around the world, Christians are worshiping. And while they are sleeping, here in the United States, we may be worshiping. So there's this constant ascending of praise to God. Have you ever thought of that? There constantly somebody somewhere in the world is worshiping God. So God says from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord shall be praised. God's being worshiped all the time and he loves it. Because that's why he created his people. He says, I'm looking for people who will worship me in spirit and what saints? And in truth. God's name is going to be praised. Well, look at verse 12 as we kind of wrap it up. But you, in verse 12, profane it in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled and its fruit, its food is contemptible. You also say, oh, what a weariness. So tired of ministry. You sneer or sniff at it, says the Lord of hosts, and you bring the stolen, the lame, and the sick. Thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am what saints a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Now, you got to keep this in context before we close. You got to keep it in context. God is still answering, in what way have we despised your name and defiled you? And God says, you've made the Lord's table contemptible. You bring the Lord's, you bring the Lord rotten fruit. You bring the Lord rotten vegetables. And then you say, oh, what weariness, what a burden it is to serve the Lord. See, these priests, now listen close. These priests, they were not grateful for the ministry. They were not grateful that God has chosen them to serve him. 
they would come to the temple and say, oh, no, you know, it's my turn to serve in the temple. Oh, no, I got to be greeter and usher today. You know, why they call me again? I already filled in on a sub list. I can't believe I volunteered for this and now I got to do this. And why did that guy talk so much? I can't believe this church, you know, wham, 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 call 1-800-WAM. <laughs> and the priest, you see, what, what's happening here is that they're whining about serving the Lord. They are weary because they are burdened. And when they are burdened, then they burden the people. Listen, it is a privilege and an honor to serve God. It is a privilege. God does not need us. God is perfectly capable of getting his work in the kingdom accomplished without you. But God chooses to use us because God loves us and because God wants us to be partakers of the blessings of the kingdom. You get to serve God. You don't have to serve God. And the moment that you start to complain and to whine about serving God, you should stop serving God. Because your reward is over. It's done. It's over. Don't ever, ever, ever allow yourself, I don't care if you're 8 or 80, don't ever allow yourself to start whining and complaining about, oh, how weary you are about serving the Lord. Whenever I get, you know what? It's true. We do get tired in the work. I get tired in the work, but I never get tired of the work. I love serving God. I love doing what I do. I got the best job in the world. You probably argue with me because you got a great job, but I love my job and I love I get to have a job and and do the work of the ministry at the same time. And I may get weary in the work, but I never tire of the work. And I try to keep myself fresh and in a place where where God is pouring into me because I don't want to get burned out. I don't mind being poured out, but I don't want to get burned out. We talked about that. And when people get burned out, remember, you're in the flesh. You've been in the flesh a long time when you get burned out. So we do get tired in the work, but we should not get tired of the work. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We'll reap the benefits of serving God. Don't ever let yourself find yourself complaining and whining. I don't feel like going to church today. Can't we stay home and go fishing? No. No. You don't ever want to get there because that's a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous place to be. Always offer to God your very best. And that's what we try to do here at Calvary Chapel. I don't like shoddy, poor ministry. It's an amazing thing how we, you know, the church, we, you know, it's almost like the, the church is expected to do stuff cheesily. That's not a word, but still, you know what I mean. You know, oh, well, it's just a church. I mean, we just, you know, we just give God whatever, you know, the building's like whatever. And I mean, I've walked in churches, and honestly, I got to tell you guys, I mean, I know, don't tell you, but I got to tell you, I've walked in some churches, and honestly, I'm just, you know what, don't touch a thing. I mean, really, just like, don't touch a thing. Let me just go do my ministry, preach the word, and don't touch a thing because it's not clean. It's not clean. The bathrooms are not clean. You know, it's not clean. (laughs) 
ooh. I mean, there's nothing worse than walking into church and it's not clean. It's terrible. You know why? Because a dirty church to me speaks of dirty hearts. That's me. Okay, that's me. Dirty church, something's wrong because this is God's house. This is God's place. And this is God's house and God's place for God's people and for people who don't know God. So when people come into God's house, they say, you know what? This is a nice place and it's a good place to be and it's clean (laughs) because I like clean. Clean's good. Amen? Amen? Give your best always, whether you're doing children's ministry or pulpit ministry. Give your best to the Lord. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.